Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week. More hotels have been added to Disney's test this month to bypass the check-in desk and go directly to your hotel room. We're going to talk a little bit about that. There are also some new details emerging about Disney Springs. And John and Kevin are going to have a mini-review of the Yachtsman Steakhouse. And a little later on, we're going to discuss Disney Manners 101, which we recorded this past weekend at the Hershey, Pennsylvania meet to raise money for Give Kids the World. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 713, for the week of June 17, 2014. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi, Kevin Close, Jenny Lynn Knopp, Julie Martin, and back in the production nook, our producer, Dustin West, along with associate producers, Craig Williams and Sean Thompson, and back in the corner is Mochaccino. Sean Michael Noah, our intern. <laughs> and uh, he wanted us to call him Mocha, but I said that sounded too much like a stripper. Um, and so we call him Mochaccino. That sounds like a little stripper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have to explore why he wants to be called Mocha. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into that some other time. Is that his drag name? Yeah, it could be. It could go. be. Um, oh, look, he's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, a couple things in housekeeping first. I'm... Happy to announce, finally, that the Diz Unplugged app has finally made its way into the Apple App Store. We've had it uh, on the uh, Google Play Store for Android for a while, but there were some issues going back and forth with Apple. But it's there, uh, free of charge. Just do a search on Diz Unplugged, or we'll have a link in the show notes page, uh, dizunplugged.com this week, and you can download it and get all the video episodes, all the videos we put up on YouTube are in the app, as well as all the shows, not just this show, our Disneyland show and our Universal show as well, and uh, some photo galleries and other fun stuff, uh, our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, everything. It's all there, on the app, everything you want for the Diz Unplugged, all in one place, and it's free. So go and check that out. Uh, I also want to send out a huge thank you to the team that put together the first Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania Diz Meet to raise money for Give Kids the World. Um, the fact that they did so well by any standard was a great testament to the hard work that they did, but that this was their first one. They had over 100 people show up, and the final tally is $8,400 wow. raised. Wow, that's wow. Awesome. They did an amazing job, and I, I can't thank them enough for... Uh, it just amazes me how organized these people can be uh, when they put these meets on. Um, and each one has its own, you know, Jenny, this was your first one. This is my very first. Um, so you're going to see each one has its own personality. And, you know, some of them, you know, borrow some of the ideas from each other. Uh, and some of them, they do their own thing. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, so excited to see this. I really hope this becomes... A yearly event. The Hershey Lodge was wonderful. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was actually very impressed. Everything made of chocolate. Everything made of chocolate. Oh, <laughs> okay. honey, it yeah. is chocolate 
everywhere. They had a serious thing about chocolate, and not just at the, <laughs> not well, just at the Hershey uh, 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 hotels and parks, but just that whole town in general. Yeah, I mean, it literally is the definition of a company town, and even the streetlights are in the shape Hershey of Hershey Kisses. kisses yeah. Uh, Somebody's putting chocolate in your mouth at every turn. It's just, I, was I know. It was, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you're diabetic and trying to lose weight, it's a little bit, it's a little bit challenging. Um, but no, it was, it was fantastic, and... I can't thank them enough. I also want to make sure that we mention some of the uh, other meets that are coming up. Uh, over 100 registered now for the uh, Nova Scotia Give Meet. Give Meet. <laughs> Diz Meet to raise money for Give Kids the World. And while I'm talking about Nova Scotia, I want to send out a very, very special happy birthday to Evelyn McNamara, the organizer of that event, and also a very, very good friend of mine and of the show, uh, we wish you a very happy birthday, darling. Mwah. Love you. Happy birthday, Evelyn. And uh, that meet is coming up the weekend of August. 7th. Why didn't I put this in my screen? Uh, in my script, uh, August seventh. Well, it's that whatever that weekend is because that's my birthday, and I know it's over my birthday. Okay, so that weekend, the first weekend in August, um, I believe, or the second weekend in August, whatever. Around the seventh. <laughs> Sorry, darling. I know I should have this down. I've already got my flights booked, got my hotel booked. I'm all set, but. Um, that's going to be uh, that, that's a, that's a great meet, and just can't uh, can't encourage enough people to uh, make a make a little little vacation out of it and head up to Halifax. You will thank me for it. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful city, an absolutely beautiful place to be. Um, so we hope you can come and join us and uh, show support for Evelyn and her team. It's gonna be fun as they try and raise money for Give Kids the World. Uh, also, we uh, don't want to forget about our friends out in Indianapolis. Coming up, I believe, September 3rd, the Indianapolis meet. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's whatever that first Saturday is in September, yeah. is the Indianapolis meet. And unfortunately, Dustin and I are not going to be there. Sadly. Because we're going to be out in Europe. But everybody else or many other team members of the team will be out there and doing a show. So please go out and show your support for the folks in Indianapolis. That's the longest running I think this is year six or seven uh, for them. And, um, and when we were there last year, I mean, that showed. I mean, that was a well-oiled machine. Oh, incredible. It was incredible. Incredible. And they get, like, a huge turnout. Yeah. I mean, they had over 200 people there last year. Is that um, where we fed the shrimp cocktail? Yeah. Because yes. to run together. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was the one that they brought out the shrimp cocktail. So good. Um, and, of course, uh, not to be forgotten, our friends in New England uh, putting on their meet the weekend of October 3rd in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and they have released some of the details of their meet. They've really got a great weekend plan. Has everybody seen this? Um, they're yes. doing, they've got their welcome dinner on Friday the 3rd. Uh, Saturday, they're doing ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> um, and then they have some different events you can choose, choose from Saturday during the day. They're doing historic tours of Plymouth. Um, uh, they're doing King Richard's Fair, which I guess is a Renaissance fair. Um, so we, you know, Ooh, Disney nerds can go fun. make fun of Renaissance nerds. I'm um, Robin Hood costume. They're doing a uh, winery, a, a winery and brewery tour that day. Um, mm -hmm. They're doing a, uh, a bowling and dessert party uh, Saturday night, and then Sunday is brunch and the podcast recording. Don't they have anything for the gays? Brunch and podcast recording. And the Renaissance <laughs> Fair. Show for brunch. Oh, my ice cream for dessert breakfast? And, I don't know. And the Renaissance <laughs> Fair. 
Because John can put on his Renaissance garb. I can. I can put on my Maiden Marian outfit. And you I find a winch. There you go. I, no, you my Robin Hood will have a Maiden Marian. It's perfect. And I, I think that. I'm uh, going. I, I, I think that if we, you know, can set up a special fundraiser to get like five thousand dollars, John will go on Renaissance. With a garb. lot more than five thousand. <laughs> Ten thousand. Ten thousand dollars. Add a couple zeros to that, maybe. So um, they're selling T-shirts that are ten dollars a piece. And they have a full weekend package that covers all the events for $75 for adults, $50 for children, children uh, under uh, four and under are free. Uh, that will include the welcome dinner, the ice cream for breakfast, the bowling uh, and dessert party, uh, the brunch and podcast recording, and a T-shirt. Um, but it does not include the event Saturday during the day. Um, so uh, we're going to have links to all this in the show notes page, disunplugged.com, where you can go and check out these meets. Help us raise money for Give Kids the World, a very worthy cause. Um, also want to remind everybody, the Universal Orlando show is going to be going live this Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, they're going to have their full coverage of Diagon Alley because you're going to get to see it finally. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And we can tell by the look on your face how excited <laughs> you are. Now, is there really an official open date yet? Because there's a lot of stuff swirling around. It's going to be June 30th. Yeah, they started selling vacation packages that promised you could go in and have breakfast at the Leaky Cauldron, kind of the same way you could have breakfast at Three Broomsticks whenever the last one opened up. And so those started. Yeah, but when the last one opened up, that's when they screwed a lot of people. They sold these packages. They charged an extreme amount of money for these packages and didn't bother to tell anybody until you were walking in the park that you were only going to be allowed in Wizarding World for two hours. And there were damn near riots um, because of it. I hope they learned their lesson, and they're not going to screw their guests this time the way they did last time. Uh, that was that definitely put a bad taste in my mouth because they would not. They did no guest recovery whatsoever. There were people screaming at guest services about this, and I was one of them. And they did absolutely no guest recovery whatsoever. And you know, we can make all the comparisons between Universal and Disney that we want. When it comes to guest service, they still have a lot to learn. Um, and I wonder in the years since the opening of Wizarding World if they've learned it. And we're going to find out when those packages uh, go, uh, go. you know, start people start using them. Uh, this year I wasn't going to get sucked in. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't buy it because of, I didn't buy the package because of the experience I had last time. But we'll see how they do it this time. But still very excited to see Diagon Alley. And... Yeah. Uh, but to, to answer, John, there's no official opening date yet. I think that they kind of released June 30th, but then they, they backtracked and took mm-hmm. that off the site. Right, so. I remember that. Yeah. And the other rumors going with that is they don't want a repeat of four years ago on uh, June 18th whenever there was a mile-long line going all the way out just to get into the eight-hour wait to get into the park. And then and you had then people Well, then you had people passing out from yeah. heat exhaustion. Um, because there were, you know, there was no covering at all, and they, those lines were literally. Ra- I mean, there was a line wrapping back to Marvel Superhero Island. Oh man! Um, to get into Wizarding World, um, and it was crazy. It was absolutely insane. So hopefully they learn their lesson. Yeah, they'll they'll be keeping that <laughs> opening day probably quiet until until mm-hmm. it happens, just so there's no repeats and no one goes crazy. But I, I know it's going to be a lot smoother with how everything's run. They have their ticket system already set up, ready to go. So it, it'll be smooth. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of celebrities there. Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane. Oh, Hagrid will be there. Yeah. Uh, I feel Hagrid. I'll, I'll, 
a lot of people will be there, so it'll be a good time. Cool. Yeah, so we have a live show on Friday, and we have all the reject guests from Jimmy Fallon's show. Yeah. Yeah, so who's going to be there, Craig? Pitbull. Pitbull will Pitbull. be on our show. Pitbull will be on our show. Promoting his new album. <laughs> and Kevin Hart. <laughs> they're, they're kidding. Oh, no, we actually worked that out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they're kidding. Um, also, I uh, want to remind everybody, uh, Thursday is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition's normal day to release their show this week. Nancy Johnson continues her in-depth look at shopping at the Disneyland Resort with a trip to Frontierland and Critter Country. Plus, the team discusses the updates to Camp Snoopy and the Calico Mine Ride at Knott's Berry Farm. So that's coming up this Thursday. Anything else for housekeeping? I do. I have a little video. Uh, John and I were watching TV last night. There's nothing on television. So we were watching what is a recap from Antiques Roadshow from 1999 in Providence, Rhode Island. And I don't know why I was so wide awake at 10 o'clock last night. watching something I didn't really care about. However, at one point I screamed so loud, the dogs jumped off my lap and ran to the other room. We found Bob and Diana on the video. They're not the ones being appraised. Their thing isn't being appraised. However, they are standing directly behind the man doing appraising and looking over his shoulder. (laughs) I have just sent the link to um, Jack Bergen, went and researched it, and found the link from PBS's website. For just that appraisal. For just that appraisal. You don't have to watch the whole show. But... While you're watching this man appraise this print of Lincoln standing on a rock before the Civil War, I, that's what he's talking about. There's Bob standing behind him with his Robbie the Robot toy. You've been to his house. That was up on his shelf yep. forever. And he's waiting to have this appraised. He used to talk about having it appraised at Antiques Roadshow, and I kind of never believed him. <laughs> well, I have proof that this, Bob was at Antiques Roadshow. That's why you and, were up at 10 o'clock. Bob was keeping you up. That's right. Saying, Somebody said to me, there's to Bob watching out for you. So I sent the link to the podcast email account so we can put that in the show notes page. And if you want to see Bob, he's not doing anything but standing there and intently staring at the man doing the appraisal. <laughs> However, Diana is certainly circling around him. So I talked to Diana this morning and sent her the link so she could watch it, but I thought you all might That's awesome. find cool. that was cool. How random. And on a Monday night at 10 o'clock at night, and Jen says to me, why were you watching the people in the background? I said, because I wasn't interested in what was going on in the front. <laughs> That's a good point. I was trying to see what they were carrying, and there's Bob. I mean, big as life. So wow. I, thought you might, I thought our listeners might enjoy seeing it. He didn't say anything. He's just standing there. That's cool. That's cool. Awesome. Anything else for housekeeping? No. All right. Then we'll, let's do the poll results for... And you know what? I didn't pick a winner. I'll have to do that at some point during the show. I'll take a minute and okay. pick a winner. Um, forgot to do that last night. But uh, last week we asked you with the opening of Diagon Alley, are you more likely to visit Universal Studios? And 60% of you said, yes, you are more likely to visit Universal when Diagon Alley opens, 31 saying no, and 9% saying they're not sure. Um, when you stop and think about that, though, think back just five or six years, asking a group of Disney fans if anything happening at Universal was likely to get you to go, and that number would not have been 60%. This is the success that Harry Potter has been. When, when I was traveling to Walt Disney World as a child, um, my parents offered me and my brother every time we went down we can take a day or two and we can go to Universal and even after Islands Adventure uh, uh, Islands of Adventure had opened up we still said no 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 we want to spend this time at Disney I think that if I was a kid when uh, Harry Potter uh, Wizarding World opened I would have reconsidered 
my, my parents offer on that. Yeah. Uh, that's it's a huge draw, and it's a, a thing that you can only get at Universal, and it's such a huge cultural uh, phenomenon that everybody can get into it in the same way that they can get into Disney. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a huge draw, and I can understand why the poll results are sixty percent yes. And when you consider that, you know, the folks watching the show, generally speaking, are Disney's pretty much Disney's highest affinity group. Right. These are the hardcore, the hardcore fans. 60% of your hardcore base is saying, yeah, they're going to take a day at least and go to Universal. That says something. That says something. And I I wonder, you know, and for as excited as I am about Avatar Land opening up, I just don't know that it's going to have the same draw. I don't think you're going to see people making special trips um, for Avatar Land the way they do for uh, Daigo, for, for Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And, and I think some so. of that's going to depend on the attractions that Avatar Land has. I mean, we know that Diagon Alley is going to have that Gringotts Bank ride. It's supposed to be, you know, absolutely mind-blowing. That's going to be a huge draw. Yeah. So I don't know if Disney will provide also, an attraction that's on par with that. I also don't know that people are coming to Orlando just to go to... Uh, I don't know if our group is coming to Orlando just to visit. Not our group, but there is a group that does for that. But I think making a special trip to Orlando, I I don't know what that would be. Would you make a... I guess that would be a different question. Would you make a special trip to Orlando just to go see... um, Diagon Alley. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I I think what's important to remember is that you have a very large fan base that is all about Harry Potter. Yeah. That really could care less about Disney per se um, and I think you know that there's also that audience which I don't think is reflected in this poll that audience who will absolutely make a special trip and you know if Universal continues doing what they're doing they're going to build that that fan base they'll have their own rabid fan base the way Disney does whether or not it'll be as large remains to be seen but again you know we've talked about it the amount of money that uh, Universal is investing the Comcast is investing in Universal. Um, this type, these type of expansions are going to continue happening. Yeah, I agree with you, Pete. I mean, I know a, a significant number of people that make trips to Florida just for Halloween Horror Nights, and the Harry Potter brand is obviously so much bigger than you know a Halloween party. So, I wonder what they'll do for Halloween, Halloween Horror Nights now that. Now that part of Harry Potter... They've already confirmed that this year nothing's happening. Okay. Um, whether that'll change next year or in, in future years, I'm not sure. But I think it's probably going to be really tough with the intellectual property, especially with J.K. and working that out. But and It would be cool, but I'm not having... Hence, hence one of the big drawbacks for Universal with any of their attractions is the fact that in most cases they don't own the intellectual property. And they have to... They have to negotiate with all these different partners for anything they want to do that involves any of that. And Wizarding World, I think, probably being the biggest. I know Warner Brothers watches everything they do with a very close eye. Well, the other thing is Universal Studios is out of space. They have the same problem that Disneyland had for many, many years. You've now reached the borders. So any expansion means taking out something else. Unless they start to build up. (laughs) There's that... So, I mean, they have run out of... Well, but the bottom line is, when you have enough money, you can buy the space you need. And you have a corporate parent with very, very loose purse strings right now where this property is concerned. If they think they can make their investment back, 
even though it would cost them a fortune to buy land. Because Universal had a lot more land at one point. Universal also owns a piece of land south of the property that's not anything's being done with. So that's possible, too. But is it supported by I-4 and... Also... Well, there's a will, there's a way. And if you have enough money... I also think this, Paul, speaks to the fact that Universal proved themselves with uh, the first part. With the first Wizarding World. With Wizarding World. And that people were skeptical. What is it going to look like? Is it going to be true to it? Is it going to be okay? And I think that people saw it and really liked it. So now they have faith in Universal to say, okay, this next thing will be cool, too. Well, the number one... You know, the number one uh, biggest disappointment with Wizarding World was it was too small. And, you know, there were rumors that uh, taking over Lost Continent, um, that's one place they could expand that if they wanted to, uh, take over Lost Continent, uh, without having to buy any other land. That would be... Have they? Has anything been said about that? Um, well, that was the initial idea of where Diagon Alley would go before that, but then throw in the Hogwarts Express and sell those two-park passes that kind of squashed all of those ideas uh there are other rumors of future expansions uh potentially even like a ministry of magic expansion that could always happen um they could tear down the best restaurant in a theme park (laughs) (laughs) there's lots of rumors i don't i don't know where they're going to go with any of them uh Lost Continent is on a chopping block, I'm guessing. Well, I it mean, needs to be. I, I think they're going to look at Lost Continent before they look at you buying more just land. Say that. Um, but I don't want to make, turn yeah. this into a universal no. show. These guys are going to talk about all that stuff Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. That'll be uh, live, um, disunplugged.com. And uh, later on that night, it will go up on YouTube, uh-huh. uh, youtube.com slash info. So, all right. With that, we will go over to Johnny with the news. All right, our first news story. Toll Brothers, Inc. buys Disney area land for new homes. Toll Brothers, Inc., which started a new luxury residential community last year in Windermere, Florida, purchased a 116-acre vacant site on State Road 535 next to Disney's Golden Oak high-end community for $11.04 million. Uh, the, property, the property previously had been approved for 210 single-family homes. Reports indicate that the company is planning a new luxury residential community for the site. Uh, and this builder's fourth central Florida community, uh, this will be this builder's fourth central Florida community and two other Toll Brothers communities in Windermere have homes listed from the 800,000s. So what is this going to be like, uh, ghetto Golden Oaks? I think so. I think Golden Oaks without the amenities. I think it's going to be... Gold. Or the charm. I think it's going to be super high-end mini mansions that won't have the Disney affiliation that Golden Oaks has. So probably 800000 versus a million plus, you know? Definitely people, in my price range. Right, exactly. <laughs> people will buy them. Starter home. <laughs> people will definitely buy them because of proximity to Disney. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, interesting. It's interesting. Disney doesn't already own that land? Nope. Yes, not. Nope. A previous developer owned it and had sold it to the uh, Toll Brothers, who I'm not really sure I understand who they are, but... Never heard of them before. No, neither have I. That doesn't mean anything, though. The other thing that's really weird is if you look at that area of property now, it is amazing how many communities have built up, how many home communities have built up. used to go over there, and it was all forest. It was all trees. It was all sort of wetlands. And now it's just all housing development, so... I used to live over that way in cheap apartments, not the expensive places but that area has just been literally blowing up like building and building building year after year um 
and they they haven't really caught up with like restaurants and right. grocery. There's one Publix over there and a McDonald's, and that's about all there is until you drive further up into Windermere. But that, I mean, was gonna, that's, that was part of my point was that the infrastructure is not in place to support yeah. these folks, unless you want to go up to five thirty five and buy T shirts exactly. for ten dollars. You know, there's <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts too. Right, yeah, all the necessities. <laughs> um, do we have? Is there any word on what kind of? Um, concept this place is going to have like celebration definitely has a, a theme and a concept that they have built their town around is there anything like that there was nothing in the story i don't think they're even at that point yet they just purchased the land but i think they're really going to go for that sort of high-end compete with golden oaks but not offer what golden oaks offers type okay, of thing. i have to correct you because anna does me all the time it's golden oak no s oh <laughs> She works there, so, you know, she gold gets a little oak. uptight about There's that. There's only one oak <laughs> on the property. And it's made of gold. Yeah. All right. Our next news story. More details emerge on Disney Springs design. The Urban Land Institute on June 12th and 13th hosted a Florida summit at the Walt Disney World Swan Resort. And as part of that event, three guided tours were held to share the latest developments in downtown, Dis- in downtown Orlando, Lake Nona's Medical Center, and the revamp of Downtown Disney into Disney Springs. The tour included announcements by Jeff Abraham, Disney Springs Creative Director with Disney Imagineering. According to Abraham, Disney Springs will have a repurposed elevate will have repurposed elevated platforms, and new renderings revealed a tall glass tower leading to the platform that has umbrella tables for guests. So really you know, useful things are going to happen. <laughs> In addition, Abraham said the area will boast new international restaurants and retail options that do not have any presence anywhere else in the U.S. This is what intrigued me the most. Um, what are they going to bring over? Are you talking about, you know, retail and, and restaurants that don't have a presence in the U.S., especially retail? Um, yeah. I wonder, wonder what they'll be bringing over. I don't know. I mean, unless they go for... Um, you know, so, sort of the mom and pop stuff mm-hmm. that's available in Europe that doesn't come to the U.S. Well, I, I, you know, depending on what they pick and how they do it, that could be. This could end up being brilliant. I think the thing that they led with was they're going to repurpose elevated platforms. Yeah, I'm not sure that excites me as much as they think it should. <laughs> it scares me. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're burying the lead here. Oh, yeah. With, uh, I thought oh, when I first read it, I thought. I don't care. <laughs> and there's going to be a glass tower so you can look at the tables and the umbrellas? Picnic tables, yeah. I, didn't, I was not sure why that was written this way. <laughs> Abraham also detailed the story behind the Disney Springs development. That story revolves around a small Florida city multi-era transformation from a small town dependent on a river to years after railroad transportation is no longer the primary means of travel and the city finds new ways to reuse the old railroad tracks and stations. They're starting to put up the, some of the railroad track pieces, like in front of the new Starbucks on the west side. Um, it's just this big... I, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a kind of a gazebo or a pergola that's just standing in the middle of the, the walkway. I don't know if something's going to be on top of it or if there's going to be like some purpose for it. I, it might just be design. But Well, they're saying it's going to be an elevated platform, so it sounds like there's going to be two levels at certain the, points. Like maybe there will be, but at, right now they just look like weird, I don't know, tents made of concrete. So I don't know what the purpose is. <laughs> well, we're going to do a whole, uh, whole segment on Disney Springs next week, so um, we'll talk more about it then. But, you know, I think this, again, they bury the lead here in this story being... The shopping, bringing 
shopping opportunities and dining uh, establishments that are not found anywhere else in the U.S., that has me very intrigued. Very interested to know what those will be. I agree. And I think it's about time. You can buy the same Disney crap everywhere. I haven't been to the new co-op yet, but you can buy the same Disney stuff everywhere. So a trip to downtown Disney is no longer the... There, there's no longer a lot of new opportunities. Well, someone needs to tell that to the 8 million people that seem to pour in there every day. I was day. just going to say, rather than worrying about those platforms, build that garage. Yeah, get that garage done. Please. I don't want to park at SeaWorld and walk to downtown Disney. <laughs> All right, that's actually my last news story. I had others, but Craig told me they were stupid and I shouldn't do oh, that. Oh, we were going to talk about so, uh, the, ho- more, the rest of the hotels added to the... Uh, are we going to talk about that? We can. I didn't prepare to talk about it, but we can. You came unprepared. I did. Very unprepared. Um, uh, last week we had talked about uh, Port Orleans being used as a test for uh, Port Orleans Riverside being used as a test for uh, this new online check-in where you would literally just bypass the check-in desk altogether. If you already had your magic bands, uh, you would get a text message with your room number when it was ready, and you would just go right to your hotel room. Uh, they have now expanded that, um, and uh, it will run from uh, June 16th, yesterday, through the 28th, and it's going to include guests at the Contemporary Resort, Bay Lake Towers, Port Orleans Riverside, Port Orleans French Quarter, Pop Century, Animal Kingdom Lodge, and Animal Kingdom Lodge Villas, uh, Jumbo uh, House, and Kidani Village as well. Wow, if they're doing it with the deluxe resorts, I'm assuming that the test went well then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it must have must be or will hopefully go well um i you know i i think it's the new jersey left-wing democrat in me that hears this story and thinks about okay what about the jobs of the people who work at check-in that's a lot because there's a lot of people working at check-in desks around property and this feels to me like uh, what's going to happen to those jobs? Well, you know, in the same way when they did Fast Pass Plus. Now, I know that's not really taking away a lot of jobs because these these other guys, uh, you know, found different positions in the rotation of the attractions. But what happened with Fast Pass Plus is they had to uh, create people to assist with this, the new system. And I, I think what you'll see instead of the traditional check-in desk might be people with, um, you know, computers standing by. To, to assist with any problems that might be Right, happening. but fewer than you have now. Yeah. I, um, I also think there's a personal... I don't want to say you form a personal <coughs> relationship with somebody at the front desk, but there's a face when you check in. Right. This seems very impersonal. It's, it, it, one I of agree the, with it, that. The check-in process can absolutely influence your stay. Um, a great cast member can really set the tone for your vacation. By the same token, a not-so-great cast member can also ruin the tone of your vacation, or at least on the first day or two. I've had that happen. Um, the Disney is, while I applaud what they're doing with technology, they run the risk of losing touch literally with their guests. Um, one thing, uh, Randy Garfield, who was the pre- uh, president of Walt Disney Travel uh, for many, many years, just retired recently. I'd interviewed him years ago. And he said, well, we're definitely a high-tech company. I also like to think of us as a high-touch company, that we look for opportunities to interact directly with our guests. And I wonder how much of some of this technology expansion that they're doing 
is going to affect that and what the what the impact is going to be. Um, you know, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I look forward to check-in. Um, right. It's my least favorite part of any hotel stay. I actually really like it because I talk to the person and they well, that's the difference. Give me the is map you like people and, they tell and you talk me to them. Where I, I do. I'm sorry, I like people. Um, you know, and they explain to me where my room is, which always helps me feel better because I get lost very easily. And you know, they just kind of explain, you know, what I can expect. I, I think that uh, now I might just like walk into a hotel and feel confused and overwhelmed and freaks out a little bit. I think the opportunity here for Disney is not to lose these checking cast members, but to reassign them a new role, similar to what Dustin said, and that now they're there to help you and answer questions. They're to help you with park maps and things. Rather than going through the check-in process and taking your credit card and explaining all that, now they become more of a customer service rep rather than a right. salesperson. Well, I, I hope that I hope that these jobs get absorbed into other roles, that these folks just aren't kind of cut loose. Uh, and I have no reason to believe that they will be. Um, you know, when uh, I know in other, in other circumstances, when things like this have happened, Disney has absorbed those cast members into other areas of the operation. But I think the ba- uh, for somebody who's just checking in, I think of somebody who has uh, a disability or something like that, who has questions. I think this puts a great deal of the burden on the guest that you have to know all of that before you get that text. That, you know, I, I just think there's a great deal of information that can come from Yeah, but nothing, I don't think anything's going to stop them from going to check-in if they choose to. Um, I think oh, this so is, that option is still available. Well, it's going to have to be. You, you're okay. going to have to have somebody okay, available. I feel better now. So you're going to have to have <laughs> okay. someone available. Okay, my opinion hasn't changed. but <laughs> No, but I'm just saying you're going to have to have someone there in the event there is a problem, in the event that you, know, you get to your room and your magic band doesn't work, or you don't know where your room is. Oh, I thought I understood it that they were going to do a check-in. I don't believe that, at least at this stage, that, that you know that's happening. Obviously, they can't because this is just a test. What they do when this expands remains to be seen. But they're going even full expansion, all resorts, and this is this becomes the way of it moving forward. They're still going to have to have some people available to deal with issues in some capacity where check-in exists now. Um, I can't imagine them not do if they. I mean, that would be insane. Or people who don't speak English, you know. It just seems like there's a group of people out there who kind of. I I would like that human touch. Or international guests who shut their cell phones off when they get here because they don't want to pay, you know, what it costs to use their cell phone. So these are all things I'm assuming Disney is factoring in. But very interested to see what the process is. And as I mentioned uh, last week, if any of you become part of this test, please let us know how it works and what you thought of it. And we'd like to hear because I'm, I'm very intrigued. By just to add to the whole automated um, conversation, when I was flying back to Orlando on Sunday, I couldn't believe the amount of people on my plane wearing their magic bands already. <laughs> there were these families coming to Disney World who were flying out of Atlanta already with their bands on. They must have got them at home, and I think this was Disney's plan. Was, oh, Disney, you know, don't they say in their little packet, you should put this on when you leave home because yeah, when you arrive... I, I didn't know how many people would follow those instructions. <laughs> <laughs> they are sheep. Yeah. They'll do whatever they are told. But I thought it was pretty cool to see all those magic bands on the plane. 
Um, I also want to bring up a rumor that kind of uh, was uh, released this morning. Um, and I only say rumor because there has been no official confirmation on either side. Um, but Imagineer Jason Sorrell, who has been with Imagineering for a very long time, he's kind of one of the public Imagineers. He does a lot of the speaking stuff um, at the engagements at D23 and all that stuff. He has, the rumor is, left Walt Disney Imagineering and is now going to Universal Creative. Hearing, I'm hearing these stories just oh. a little too often now. Wow. It almost seems unbelievable, because he's so embedded in the... Well, he's been, he worked at Universal Man- first. Did he? Yeah. But he seems so embedded in the Haunted Mansion culture that he's written books about it and stuff. And we have to, well, and we have to stress this has not been this, confirmed. No, and I said on either side, so neither by Jason Sorrell himself or from Disney, or Universal for that matter, um... But this is what's being reported right now. So, no, but he's there's no question he's a Disney fan. Yeah. I mean, he's written multiple books. He wrote the Disney Mountains book, which talks about um, Expedition Everest, Big Thunder, uh, Space Mountain, all that stuff. So. How big a loss do you think this is for I, Disney? I'm sad because I think he's a great Imagineer. I think he's very talented. But the thought of him going to Universal is very exciting too. I think he's he's like one of the faces of Disney. I mean, he's been on cruise ships. He, we, he's been in events. He is one of the people that's recognizable. And I, I just, when I when I saw this come across this morning before the show, um, it just it struck me that we're hearing these stories of people in key positions at Disney moving over to Universal or retiring, or well, or retiring exactly. Um, and it just it fills me with this. I'm going to say dread. It's not a sense of dread. It's, and I don't want to use the expression rats deserting a sinking ship either because I think that's too extreme. <laughs> um, but it does feel like there is some form of exodus happening here. Um, and, but if, if an exodus can happen in drips and drabs because that's what's happening. Didn't just recently the man who created Magic Your Way Plus or Magic Bands Plus, or didn't he just leave? He left, and there's speculation that it was not voluntary, um, that the program ran way over budget, and he was blamed for some of the failures, um, and he took it on the chin, basically. Uh, that's the speculation. On, I'm sure there are people who would debate I don't know. That. That's kind of like the guy who invented the Segway driving the Segway off the cliff. You know, it's kind of got that same thing. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, so very interesting if that ends up being true. Um, that he that he's leaving, which I'm imagining it probably is. Speaking of rumors, have you guys discussed the uh, closing of American Idol Experience? Did that come up? No, we haven't. American Idol Experience is going to be closing, and you know why, right? Yes, because American Idols next well, year is I probably going to be there last season. <laughs> well, not only that, but there are also rumors that Indiana Jones is closing, and now that's going to be where some sort of Star Wars themed land is going yeah, to go. Yeah, no question, they're going to have to expand that out. They opened American Idol a little bit after the 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 top of the curve. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was definitely it, on the way down. It was the yeah, we had reached the peak and we're on our way down. And it's like let's open a new attraction based on American Idol. So I, the fact that it's closing is not surprising. No. The fact that American Idol is still on it's is surprising. surprising. Does anyone who know who won last year? No. no. Exactly. So it's And I used to be a faithful watch. Me too. I used to watch oh, yeah. that faithfully, but I this past season I couldn't I just couldn't watch it. It was so bad. I tell you what, even when they when they first opened the American Idol experience at the studios even though it was on the downward slope, I didn't care. They, they were doing something with that empty theater that had been empty for like 10 years. So I was perfectly fine with them putting that in there. 
but uh, I still right. haven't seen it. Yeah. I never, never went either. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it. It's entertaining. <laughs> I never went. So yeah, that's. Uh, no, that was my foot rubbing. Oh, I also think Indiana Jones is kind of tired. Oh, tired. <laughs> I was being. It's polite. exhausted. Mm, it is. <laughs> It needs to be euthanized. <laughs> it needs to be put out of its misery and ours. Um, so yeah, I, there's no question. I think that whole Echo Lake area is is going is going Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, but you know, I've been seeing online though. There's definitely been a mini backlash to that idea. You've got this small but vocal group of Disney fans who are like, Star Wars has nothing to do with Disney. It doesn't belong at Disney. Get it out. Get it out. Um. And I wonder how I wonder how that's going to play out. I'm not one of them. I think I think Hollywood Studios needs all the It'll help. It'll basically it can be get. Star Wars weekends all year round, right? And that doesn't excite me at all. It doesn't excite you, but it excites <laughs> a lot of people. other people. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. It might make me avoid that park even more. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. All right, that is going to do it for the news. We're going to move on to our caption. This. Uh, for this week, but first we're going to talk about our caption this for last week, which was a picture that we had taken out in Hawaii last year, and we did a tour of a ranch, which is where a lot of films use this. This ranch has like massive amount of land, and Jurassic Park was one of the films that had used this ranch to film certain scenes. One of them, the very iconic scene where they're hiding behind a log while these Gallimimus, Gallimimus, thank you, come running at them and jumping over the the log so Dustin needed to pose in that position and have his picture taken and that was the picture that we used uh, last week Uh, Amanda Smiley Pete's mandate to quote open your minds and explore the world is getting a little out of hand which I thought was cute Uh, Desmond Woodard um, guys I think we overdid it with the new production nook um, which was cute and uh, Kelsey Lucardi and I thought the Disney Tangled bathrooms were themed because <laughs> Dustin is squatting. I need to say, someone, someone missed the mark. It should have been titled Jurassic Poop. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And uh, kind of carrying on with the theme of uh, caption this photos from our uh, uh, Hawaii trip last year, one of my favorites is this photo of Sean learning how to hula dance with a cast member <laughs> at Olani. Uh, it was actually a great segment, and, and the, the whole video's. Yeah. up on YouTube. We should make sure we put a link to that. Okay. Um, but uh, that, that's our caption, this photo for this week. Uh, Sean learning to do the hula at Alani. Going back to Jurassic Park, we didn't know this when we passed it, but when we were in Hawaii just recently on Oahu, we saw a giant film crew out, mm-hmm. and we thought it was probably for Hawaii Five-0, and we were told that no, it's a new it Jurassic was Park. the new Jurassic Park awesome. is filming. And I, I, we didn't see anything except tents and trailers and like no Jack Goldblum. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, we went by it at like forty miles an hour, but it was a huge set. So. I'm praying when we're out there next month, we don't see that because he, Dustin's going to be uh, unbearable. Well, He's like be sneaking on. It's the set. absolutely on the opposite side of the island. Well, you know, they're probably going to drive over there anyway. It's the North Shore, so you'll yeah, we're going to be staying in the North Shore. Yeah, see for any the first of those week. parks over there, you'll definitely see it. Yeah. So cool. All right, that's our caption. This for this uh, for this week. We're going to move on to rapid fire and start with John. All right, D twenty three has something that I think is kind of cool on their website. It's um, 
D23's interactive map of Walt's Hollywood journey. It's not too high tech, not too over the top. You kind of click on certain numbers and stuff around, and it has some information about Walt as he arrived to Hollywood and the things that happened in his life. And what I think is neat is there's some pictures in there that I've never seen before. Um, And it also kind of reminds me of our backstage magic trips. So I just thought it was a neat little thing. It's not too over the top or too interactive, but it's fun. It does look cool. I think they did a nice job. I have to check it out. I haven't seen it. It's D23. I don't pay too much attention. Yeah, it crossed my desk, and I thought, let me take a look at it. Cool. And I like the fact that they're sort of, you know, they really focus on the Walt heritage and, you know, all that stuff. So I think that's neat. Awesome. Thank you, John. Kevin. Uh, DC Island Adventures by Disney are uh, releasing the embedded ABD add-ons for the Mediterranean cruises next in 2015. They are released tomorrow. There is some information on the Diz ABD subforum of what's involved in each departure date, but there is no pricing, and no matter who I've talked to and how I've begged, they will not release pricing until tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. There is going to be a one departure for the five-night Mediterranean Magic on August 10th, the seven-night Med Magic August 14th, 22nd, and 29th, the seven-night Magic of the Baltic May 30th and June 13th, the 12-night Magic of the Baltic July 22nd. The 12-night Magic of the Baltic with Germany is July 10th. There are pre-cruise experiences also. There's a Barcelona escape on August 12th. Oh, they're doing that again. Okay. Mm-hmm. August they stopped. 12th, 19th, and 26th. The Copenhagen escape is May 27th, June 10th, and June 17th. And the London escape is July 8th, 20th, and August 1st. I apologize. There is no pricing to provide. Tomorrow there will be. If you're interested in adding one of these to your cruise, you can contact your Dreams Unlimited Travel Cruise Agent. If you don't have a cruise agent, you can contact me. But it means also booking the cruise at the same time. Um, There's a great deal of excitement about these. They're usually pretty expensive. They are very expensive. And having done two of them, I did one in the Mediterranean. I did another one in Alaska. I can tell you worth every penny. I mean, you, you know, it's no secret I'm a huge fan of Adventures by Disney. Um, but what not having to worry about your shore excursions, having that because that's basically what happens here is that Adventures by Disney takes care of your shore excursions. And it's just you get those same, you know, Disney touches, those places nobody else gets into, those experiences that uh, are pretty unique. Not all of them are like that. I noticed on the Mediterranean cruise, a lot of times we were with other tour groups that were off cruise ships. Um, but then even on those tours, there were certain things that were added in that made it made it unique to Disney. But having those two guides with you in those ports, having some, you know, you've got your transportation's all taken care of and you don't have to worry about anything. And you've got these two amazing guides and ABD's strongest... Uh, strongest asset for Adventures by Disney are the guides. Yeah. And you have two concierge traveling with you that are basically looking to make sure you have an amazing experience. And no matter what tour you take or what shore excursion you take, you're not going to get that. You'll have some great tour guides out there to be sure, but you're not going to get the level of service that you get from Adventures by Disney tour guides. And I know I'm turning this into a commercial, but I've done them, I've paid for them, and I can tell you they're worth every penny. I do have a little bit more information. Something, uh, first of all, these used to be booked through uh, Disney Cruise Line. 
That is no longer the case. You have to call Adventures by Disney to add it to an existing cruise, or you can call Adventures by Disney and book your cruise and your add-on at the same time. But if you want the add-on, you have to call Adventures by Disney. It is a per-person price. There is no tier pricing within the add-on. So usually with ABD, as the trip fills, the price gets higher. There is no, that's not going to happen on this. They're going to be the same price for everybody on the trip. And there is no, per, there is no single person supplement. So it's everything's for At, two. If they decide that it's $3,000, no, it's $3,000 for everyone. Whether you're a single or a quad, you're okay. paying the same amount. And okay. plays $3,000 is just a number I've made up. But whatever the number is, it's the same for every single person on the trip. There is no tier pricing. Also keep in mind that these add-ons also include events that happen uh, on the ship. They, it's not just in port. On your sea days, they're always planning something, whether it... Something as simple as like a little dessert buffet or something like that. Or but a naturalist always something. or a guide telling you about the port you're going to visit kind of thing. Exactly. Again, these are not inexpensive. And you're already on an expensive cruise. And I'm not trying to dissuade anybody. Could call me. I'd love to book it for you or email me. But they are released tomorrow. Awesome. Something they're doing that I think is off you can add this to the cost, add this to your cruise, and it follows the same cancellation policy as Disney Cruise Line. So you'll be able to add it, and if you decide not to take it closer to uh, departure, you can remove it. I have a feeling these are going to fill up very quickly with people um, speculating. Yeah, unfortunately, people will hold them and not necessarily pay for them at the end. So, yeah. So if something happens that you get shut out of one of these, I would keep trying. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Jenny Lane. Well, I have to report that Aurora and Snow White are being evicted from the Princess Fairy Tale <laughs> Hall. Um, Aurora is being sent to Town Square Courtyard. Guests can find her there from now on. And Snow White is getting booted to Center Street on Main Street, USA. She's actually going to be outside. She's I, a streetwalker now. I feel like this is a little unfair considering Princess Fairy Tale Hall was built on her original ride. Do you think they're bitter? I, I would be. I would be bitter. Hello. I think, I think those frozen witches kicked everybody out. Yeah, <laughs> no no joke. Five hour no wait. No five hour lines for Snow White. No, huh? I right. guess not. So she's getting thrown out to the curb. Um, I don't literally. Know. She's <laughs> an old Very princess. Very literally. So, I don't know. I'm hoping this is kind of temporary. Maybe they're going to make a new Snow White meet and greet near the mine train. But I just feel like this is wrong on some level. That's not a bad idea. I think that eventually we will see a more permanent location for them. How can they not do that? Because, that I mean, that's the reason they built this thing in the first place. It literally just opened. But they, and what else were they going to do? Yeah. You, you've got a you've got a five hour wait, and for as much as we talk about it on this show, can you imagine how many complaints guest service mm-hmm. must get about that? Yeah, um, they had to do something. I mean, look, they didn't expect Frozen to have the no. impact that it did, and they have had to scramble to get it integrated into the parks. And I think they've done a good job overall. Yeah. I think they've done a good job doing that. Um, but they you should know, put Anna and Elsa in guest services. <laughs> and about it's a more convenient location sure, between yeah. waiting in line and, and, and then you can complain, time. right? Exactly. No, in about four or five years, every little girl in, their, in the kindergarten class is going to be named Donna or Elsa. Yep. Yeah. That's what happens. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jenny Lynn. Lady Martin. 
Okay, um, Velvet Sessions coming up at the end of the month, the last Thursday, the 25th. They're going to be having Vertical Horizon. Who is that? Okay. <laughs> She's Everything You Want from the 90s. It's a song. No, she isn't. No, the song. <laughs> I can promise you that. Okay, I didn't know their, the name of the band, obviously, but I know the song. Because I was like, who are Sing these guys? Us. She's everything you want. She's everything you need. You know. No. I still don't remember, but I wanted to get Julie to sing. <laughs> no, anyway. I actually had to YouTube it. <laughs> I'm like, what is She this sings song? like Teresa Cries. <laughs> um, so anyway, but um, it's always held in the Velvet Bar and also in the Lobby Lounge. It's 25 bucks, I mean 29 bucks, regular admission if you buy it in advance. $35 at the bo- bar, bar door. At the bull bar. <laughs> $35 at the door. <laughs> the VIP package is 50 bucks, and that includes like specialty drinks and finger foods. You, you can also listen to the band too. warm up at 6.30 p.m. Um, and then there'll be a cash bar, and then the band plays from 8.30 on. And they also have a silent auction now, but I didn't know they did that before. No, they it didn't must do be that. new. Yeah, it must so, be um, new. You can win hotel stays and more. But I think they would be fun to see. Yeah. I like 90s bands. So cool. head on over. All right. If you know, yeah. If, if, if you know, know who they are. <laughs> Vertical Horizon is, and you're a big fan. That's where you can go see them. They're playing hotel lobby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Julie. Dustin. Yeah, I have what I consider the most exciting rapid fire of the day. I'll judge you. So Disney Cruise Line is switching out their coffee machines at the drink bars to be uh, Joffrey's now. I am so Mexico. excited. Yeah, and uh, so I'm the uh, what I read did not mention if um, the coffee in the restaurants and stuff like that would be Joffrey's. I know they do a lot of their own specialty beans and whatnot like that uh, in the restaurants, but at least for the drink stations that they have on deck uh, for the ships, instead of having your morning coffee be brewed through you know powdered sugar or whatever powdered coffee stuff. You're going to get real Joffrey's coffee. Well, it was concentrate. It was the, yeah. the coffee concentrate. But that was one of the things that always bothered me, was that if you really wanted a decent cup of coffee on Disney Cruise Line, which is not cheap to begin with, um, you had to go to the Cove Cafe, yes. and you had to pay $5 for a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. which is what I ended up doing every morning. And I always felt the coffee that's available on deck, especially for this top-tier cruise line, right, should be... Decent coffee. And now, the same way I think the ice cream, the free ice cream, the soft serve on this top tier cruise line should actually be ice cream and not ice milk. That drives me <laughs> insane. Ice milk is disgusting. Ice cream is different than ice milk. And you can tell the difference. If you've ever had gone to Dairy Queen and had a soft serve, you know what ice cream tastes like. If you go on to <laughs> Disney Cruise Line and get a soft serve, you know what ice milk tastes like. It's cheap. And it's beneath the dignity of the cruise line, and I really wish they would stop that. But one of the cool things I like about Disney Cruise Line versus some of the other ones is they don't—they don't make you pay for those sodas. They don't make you. Well, I mean, you know, they don't make you pay an extra, extra. fee. Extra. No, that's true. Um, and now you get a little uh, little something extra. You, instead of being forced to go to the coffee bar and purchase a decent cup of coffee. You can at least have that to wake you up. And then if you want something specialty later on, you can get that. And I have to tell you, know. you while I, I, I like the Disney, uh, the, the Disney branded Joffrey's coffee yeah. that they've been selling and I have it and I make it and I like it. Um, Joffrey's uh, Sumatra hmm. is incredible. It's so good. Yeah. 
It's an absolutely, and that's all I'm drinking right now. Is that the one that's pooped out by foxes? Yes, that's <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's Sumatra poop coffee. Oh, good. Um, so, all right, thank you, Dustin. You're very welcome, Gregory. Um, so it's it's really cool. Uh, there's going to be a food truck festival at Downtown Disney. <laughs> it's really cool on June 21st from 5 to 10 p.m. called Trucks on the Town. Got a little punny with the name. Um, so. The four or five, technically, Disney food trucks will be there serving Disney food from around the world. But uh, then they're also finally inviting, excuse me, other food trucks from Orlando, Orlando including... Orlando, uh, Orlando. Orlando, Orlando, uh, including the Yum Yum Cupcake Truck, uh, Philly's Best Cheesecake, TJ's Seafood Shack, Mayan Grill, Magic for Your Plate, La Empanada, Ellie Lou Barbecue... Uh, El Cactus Azul and the DailyCity.com Food Truck Bazaar by Prestige Trucks. So, very ethnic. We've talked about it a lot, though. And having you, actual food trucks from the area come in and what do it. space would they use for it's this? It's in between over- Starbucks. Yeah, in between Starbucks, kind of where that big field was up until I forget the store. What's the one on the D Street? Is right across from across that? from D Street. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, and it's just going to be all around uh, Cirque du Soleil area too. There's going to be a DJ. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be sounds more crowded. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. If you can find a parking space, see. So, <laughs> this is uh, June twenty first. Uh, start looking for a parking space on the nineteenth. <laughs> well, when you when you I'm first circling. <laughs> You can park at the Swan. <laughs> <laughs> when you first brought it up, that's why I had to ask where it was because I was afraid they were going to take up like part of the parking lot to do it, and that would have been devastating. No, there would have been a riot. Yeah, there would have been a riot. I mean, as it is right now, <laughs> I'm surprised people with torches haven't like stormed downtown Disney do about, about have, the parking. Do we have a date as far as when these uh, this parking garage is supposed to be done? No, 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 no. not that I have. Per You're se. working doing due to guest demand. <laughs> Need to work a little bit faster. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any structure yet. I mean, like I haven't seen. A I know it's like. Wait, you guys? What's? Oh, there's a vertical stuff going up, but there doesn't seem to be anything. Is there? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's garages it's, there. Yeah. yeah, it's coming along quicker now. So the the initial beams going up and stuff that seemed like it took. Yeah, because yeah, Universal ever, can build an entire land onto their park in about three and a half days, and it takes Disney four years to put up a parking garage, um, and they don't have to go through zoning the way Universal does. That's that's Reedy Creek. Reedy Creek is their zoning board. They have their own zoning board. That was the deal Walt struck to with the govern with the Florida legislature to bring Disney World here. And they still it's Universal is embarrassing them now with how quickly they're developing things and building things and how long it's taking Disney to do it. <coughs> so I was going to make a terrible joke and say, unlike Universal, Disney would have to pave paradise to put up a parking lot. Oh, God. Like a good Joni Mitchell reference. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now it's time to move on. Sean. All right. Uh, the Yankee Trader at Magic Kingdom, which is across from Haunted Mansion, is going to be closed from July 7th through September 30th. Um, and the rumor is, although it's not been officially announced, is that it's going to turn into a Haunted Mansion merchandise Please gift shop. Please let it be yeah, so. Well, it's always had sort of Haunted Mansion almost And Smucker's Jelly. Right, exactly. <laughs> and Smucker's Jelly. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they have they have those Haunted Mansion-themed pieces yeah. um, that I love, I think are incredible. And I'm hoping that was a test to see if these things would sell. Yeah, Disney that, Parks Block has already announced that there's a big line of new Haunted Mansion stuff coming out. and So the timing is, is seems convenient to display it here. Is Yankee Trader the one that, uh, that 
butts right up against the Haunted Mansion. I yeah. thought Yankee Pretty Traders much. was across the street near Hall of Presidents. No, no. this is the one that's got the rocking chairs on the porch. It's oh, like yeah. right there yeah. where, you, where yeah. the ride dumps out. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a natural location for a Haunted Mansion gift shop. And everyone's so crazy about the Haunted Mansion. That's why we have the merchandise coming out based on that's just the That's always where I went for my jelly. <laughs> now where are you going to go? <laughs> so they already had that corner there that they're testing out the new Haunted Mansion merchandise. So you're thinking that they're going to close down and then retheme the actual inside of the building to look Haunted Mansion-y? Oh, I hope so. That's the rumor, yeah. Well, I mean, how long's how long's the rehab? Oh, a good two months. Yeah, they're doing something to, have, to the yeah. inside. Yeah, they're doing something Do to the inside. Do you think they'll connect the exit of the ride through there? Um, I don't think that... Um, because it's it's a little far, farther away. Yeah. They'd have like to make like a tunnel. The pet cemetery. I think that would be fun. And actually, is the path, there's a path now to get to the Rapunzel bathrooms in between, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, no, they're not going to connect it. But um, they used to have that Madame Leota cart. She was like a gypsy cart outside mm-hmm. that you can buy all that stuff. So now. But it didn't have enough stuff and it didn't have the good stuff. It had a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. No, this is a really great idea. Yeah. This is a really great idea. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you, Sean. That'll do it for. Rapid fire. Um, John and Kevin have a little mini review of the Yachtsman Steakhouse to do for us before we give you this week's poll. So uh, turn it over to you guys. Tell us what you thought of Yachtsman. We did not plan on going out and doing a review. We have some friends in town who invited us out to dinner. And so we thought we were just going to go and enjoy it. But we kind of had a good meal. So I thought it might be fun to sort of give a recap of what we ordered and what happened during the meal. Uh, We got there a little bit early. And we hung out in the bar for a little while. First of all, if you're hot at Walt Disney World, go to the bar outside of uh, the Yachtsman Steakhouse. Uh, it's a degree. <laughs> it's freezing. Yeah, it is. It's freezing. You can literally hang meat in there. It is. So we sat there, and I apologize. Again, I didn't find the recipe for it. I'm not a drinker, and I had a cocktail that I fell in love with. <laughs> and maybe you guys can look it up and see if you can find the recipe while I'm talking. It's called the Smoked Turkey Cocktail. And it had no turkey in it. It was bourbon and uh, assorted uh, the maraschino cherries and stuff. The it, turkey leg. It was just called a smoked turkey cocktail. It was, I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. However, it was very strong and made me a little tipsy. I'm not a big drinker, you know? And that's at the cruise cup lounge? Yeah, Is whatever. That the, yes. At okay. uh, the Yacht Club. I understand it's on other menus also. Oh, okay. So it's just called the Smoked Turkey Cocktail. I know it has bourbon in it. I believe it has some southern it's got or wild turkey. I'm sorry, do you have it? Mm-hmm. It's got two types of bourbon. A bourbon, wild turkey 101, red stag, black cherry, grenadine, lemonade, hickory smoke, um, and a Luxardo Gourmet Maraschino Cherry. That just sounds like a, um, a smoky old-fashioned is what that's that sounds like. That's where the turkey name comes from. Well, I, I ordered one, and two of our friends showed up and said, what are you drinking? It looks good, and tried it and ordered two more. So they were really popular that day. Great. Um, the We were called in right away. We had an early reservation, and we were seated. And I forgot... I was. I've never been a huge fan of the Yachtsman Steakhouse. I've had a couple of experiences there that have kind of irked me. I ordered one. This goes back. This isn't this time. I ordered a tomato and mozzarella salad, and I asked the the server if I could have some salt. I'm sorry, I can't eat tomatoes without a little bit of salt right. on them. And he leaned down like I was in kindergarten and put his hands on his knees and said to me, "The chef thinks everything comes out of the kitchen perfectly seasoned." I said, I should eat it. I said, is the chef paying? He said, no. I said, then go get the salt. 
So there's always a little, in my opinion, there's always a little pretension. And I don't need you to be pretentious. I just need you to be good, silent, good, and not make eye contact. We're fine. Um, I also, I'm not a huge fan of red meat. It's nothing political. It's nothing, I'm happy to eat a hot dog. I'm happy to eat chicken. It's not that I don't want to eat animals. I'm just not a big fan of red meat. And they, uh, the turkey dish that was offered, or the chicken dish, came with oxtail dumplings. Well, this didn't appeal to me either. So I decided to order off menu, and I ordered a bunch of uh, an appetizer and a, one of the potato dishes and some sides, and I created my own dinner. I had a, a baby beet salad, which was prettier than it was tasty, but it was still good. It looked like it looked like an art piece. Um, I ordered a twice-baked white cheddar potato. I ordered the roasted corn with shredded pork. It's worth going just for that. And I ordered something called roasted shishito peppers, which are, these are new. I was told this was the first day they were serving them. And it was hot and sweet peppers roasted together. Um, what did you order? I had, uh, my appetizer was the Caesar salad, which was a whole head of romaine lettuce. And at first I thought, oh, this is just dumb. It looked like a football on the plate. I thought this is just going to taste awful. But it was very good. They somehow got the dressing inside. I was amazed about that. And I ordered a New York strip, which was excellent. Very good. Very well done. Done to the way I liked it. Seasoned very well. But the big surprise was someone in our group ordered a prime rib. I am not a prime rib eater. And she gave me a piece of a prime rib. It was incredible. It's the best prime rib I've ever had. Wow. So now it's sort of changed my mind that maybe I will go back and order the prime rib. Um, it's no secret. Kevin and I like the bull and bear. Mm-hmm. With our favorite restaurant, we think it's the best steakhouse on property. I don't think that opinion has changed. However, I think our experience of the Yacht Club and the food has sort of... I would not not go back. I hesitate to go back. I What I had was good. Now, they've done something. One of my favorite things there was those little pull-apart rolls. And I remember that those used to be several layers, and you know they pulled apart, and they were very thin. They seem to have changed that. And now there's like it might come apart in three pieces, so you get it thicker. The other thing they've done is you used to get butter and then like a little ramekin of roasted garlic. Well, now they bring you the bulb of garlic that's been roasted. And while it's good... It's a little less convenient to eat at warp speed. <laughs> you, it, it slows you down with your pull-apart rolls. Um, everything was very good. We had a wonderful time. Then came dessert. And our waiter, again, this is where the pretension comes from. He was explaining one of the chocolate desserts, and it took three chefs seven hours each to make each layer. There are three layers to it, and it takes each chef seven hours to make each layer. <laughs> And then apparently they all have to have a group meeting and put their layers together. This went on. <laughs> and it's discre- and right. Pray over it. I got to be honest with <laughs> you. It. If it's taking them seven hours to make each of those layers, they need to hire new chefs. This is not a 21-hour dessert. It was good, but again, there was a great deal of pretension, and you know, I felt guilty ordering it because you know, you feel guilty and you feel like you're offering job description or job security. So. It was very good dessert. I think everybody enjoyed it. I don't think anybody had anything that was sent back or not eaten. It just was... Everyone who ate there was in our group had eaten there before. And the waiter comes over and says, is anybody anybody new? No, we've all eaten here before. Some people many times. Well, he goes on to read the menu. 
and he goes on to explain the menu, and everyone's getting fidgety because they all know what they want. So and you want to say to him, if only you had thought of writing this down so we could read it. <laughs> right there in front of us. So we get to dessert, and he starts to read the menu of dessert, and he starts to explain this cake, and Kevin slams his hand on the table and goes, I'll have it! <laughs> and I'm like, hey, it took you 21 seconds to order dessert that's taken them 21 hours to make. <laughs> I just didn't, you know, you didn't he stands the there, and he does a litany of what's in each one and how it's going to be played. You're out with your friends who live in foreign lands or different places, and you want to sit and talk. And for five or six minutes, you have to wait while your waiter reads you the menu that is handed to you. So I think it's great for people who, you know, can't read or people who can't see. He could tell by the way we were scarfing down our food that we were okay with all of that. So it just, the whole reading of the menu thing, I don't mind you saying to me, listen, I think the best dessert is this. Right. And then walking away. But to stand there and list every ingredient and every dessert, it's not increasing your tip. It's actually kind of making me angry. This is not a cheap restaurant. It was $160 for the both of us, including tip. Uh, they and do, I didn't order an entree. Right. Kevin had sides and an appetizer, and they do take tables in Wonderland. So it's still a good restaurant. It was good. We had a good time. We enjoyed our food. I've always had great experiences at the announcement, and it's a kind of a go-to place for me now um, when I'm on property and I want to, you know, somebody's in town or, like, you know, uh, Last month it was my brother's birthday, so we took him there, which watching my brother eat a steak is a religious experience because this boy can go through. He went through a porterhouse himself. You did with your brother Kevin? Oh, he's yeah. Corey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> went through a porterhouse. That's funny. Like, was it 24 ounces or something? Yeah, they had, like, the porterhouses as big as your head. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, you know, where I find the, uh, the pretense there is when you ask for anything special from the chef. Um, And I get it. Chefs are very proud of their menus and don't feel anything needs to be changed. But you're at Disney World, and there's a certain expectation. So my mother had this dish, this chicken dish, that was just unbelievable. It's almost like an Asian chicken dish. And I asked, there was one part of it that I really liked, and I asked if they could do me a favor and make me an entire portion just of that and they wouldn't they would made me you know that dish to take home which is what I did but they you know the chef doesn't do we're not an Asian steakhouse um like I don't give a crap (laughs) um whatever you're gonna charge me I'll pay just this is what I want um so stuff like that I've noticed but you know the service has always been outstanding the food has always been very very good um, it is expensive. There's no question about it. Just opinion. In my opinion, for the same price, you could eat in Bull and Bear. And I think Bull and Bear is a better restaurant. For convenience of staying on property, though, I can understand why people would Absolutely. It. And it's more family-friendly than Bull and Bear. We've taken Ferris and Finley there, and, you know, we've had a great time. I wouldn't take them to Bull and Bear. Oh, we see kids in there all yeah. the time. But they probably wouldn't eat there, like, with their food, is what I'm saying. Like, Yatsman oh. will offer things that they obviously will eat. They do have a, the Yachtsman has a kid's menu. Right. But I'm talking about like chicken nuggets and things like yeah. that. I'm not sure if they would offer stuff like that. At Bull and Bear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, guys. Appreciate it. Um, before we get to the poll, though, um, I uh, uh, this week's poll relates to the top 10 box office successes Disney has had um, 
and I just happened to be going through it. And what do you think the number one? You're looking at my screen, oh, so you just already saw it. Uh, what do you think the number one film by box office is for Disney? What do you think their biggest box office success is? Are we adjusting for inflation? No. Are we going with <laughs> no, exactly animation? This is, this, or? Is, this is just all Disney films. This is not adjusted for inflation. This is based on boxofficemojo.com um, for their total box office sales. Including Marvel? Including yes. anything released by Disney. Disney correct. Okay. I would say the Avengers, then. Number one, $1.5 billion in ticket sales. Uh, Frozen, number two. Already, huh? $1.25 billion. Iron Man 3, $1.2 billion. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, just over $1 billion. Toy Story 3, right, right, right by it, $1.063 billion. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, The Lion King... Wait, Alice uh, in Wonderland one? is that Alice the in Wonderland, one point zero two five billion. Tim Burton, yeah. yeah, Tim Burton. Oh, I'm sorry, Tim Burton. Uh, the Lion King at eight hundred uh, nine hundred eighty-seven million. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World End at World's End, uh, nine hundred sixty-three million. And Finding Nemo, number ten. So Lion King is, is the, is the number. Lion King's the only cartoon animated, hand drawn animated film in there. Correct. And it's also adjusted for inflation. It's by far the biggest. No, this is not adjusted for inflation. But if it was, $987 million is actually what it did at the box office. If it was adjusted for inflation, I would bet Snow White was up there, too. Right. That's a good point. No, this is in terms of actual box office sales, top ten. So this is our poll question for this week. Which of these ten films is your favorite? Head out to Facebook.com slash DizUnplugged. And let us know. And as we do every week, we'll select one person at random, which I forgot to do, but... I will, and we'll announce the person next week, Okay. along with this week's winner. Um, we uh, pick one person at random, $50 Disney gift card for that person, if you answer our poll. And that'll be up a little later on this afternoon, Disunpl- or, uh, facebook.com slash disunplugged. So that is going to do it for this show. Coming up next, we have the show we recorded in Hershey, Pennsylvania this week, and uh, talking about Disney Manners 101 or how not to be a jerk in a Disney theme park. Uh, that coming up next. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Have a great week. And remember, stay out of the damn place.